Yeah, that's it, yeah. Right. That's one of you.
I will. Thank you. What up, man? Hey, what's happening? Des, how you doing, brother? Good, good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Uh, my apologies for that delay, man. I got you all behind schedule and everything, man. That ain't that ain't proper. Nah, you good, bro. Techni technical difficulties happen, man. They do, don't they? They do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. How was your day? How's your evening? How's everything, man? Man, it's been a mixed bag today. I uh, I woke up with a fever like 101 and... Um, you know, I, I call myself going to work anyway, but, um, you know, my my administrative assistant called me and said, well, Dr. Sam, you probably you probably shouldn't come in. You you know, if you got a fever. If you got COVID or something, you know, you'd be talking to people and, you know, different kind of things like that. And other folks might get sick. And, and we had our Black History Month program today and it was a wonderful success. And I hated missing that. But, you know, sometimes stuff happened you know right how about yours good man just working man drop the kids off and all that good stuff man after work came home ate dinner relaxed now we're here man yeah all right that's what's up man life is good absolutely now before we continue how are you feeling at this moment 
Uh, I'm better, you know. I've, I've been resting most of the day. I had a couple of Tylenol and some some soup and different kind of things. So I'm a lot better than I was this morning. So I, I just hope tonight don't be a repeat of last night. So I'm I'm doing all right. I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm glad to hear that. So I want to say, Mr. Samuel, I want to say thank you so much for accepting my invitation to come on the pod, man. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. You you're my first first uh, first time visiting a pod, so you know take it easy on me. <laughs> I'll try my best. I can't promise anything, man. <laughs> hey, that's that's all right. You wouldn't be a good journalist if you uh if you did. Right, absolutely. So we're gonna get right into it, okay, man? Sounds good. All right. So your first topic is. Talk about your life story from your childhood all the way up to now. Oh, man, I had a very interesting uh, uh, childhood. And my my life story is somewhat inspirational, if I have to say so myself. I was born in 1970 with a, a congenital defect called the prune belly syndrome. And prune belly syndrome back in those days had an 80 percent mortality rate. And so for the longest time, uh, you know, I had a number of different um, impacts from not having stomach muscles and different kind of things of that nature. I grew up in the housing projects, a single parent raising three kids by herself. And, you know, my father was in prison and we were poor. If ever there was such a thing as being poor. And, you know, when, when you hear people talk about walking to school, right, and how far they walked and whatnot. I'm one of those kids, man. I, I walked two miles to school um, as a middle schooler and then probably probably about half a mile uh, as early as first grade. And, you know, back in those days, you, you didn't have, uh, you know, some of the protections and different kind of things that kids have today. And so, you know, I grew up in the neighborhood, the hood, the projects, the jacks, the bricks, all that kind of thing. And for the most part, people pretty much said that I'd never amount to anything. I, I, I wouldn't be anything, primarily because my father was doing life in prison. And, you know, they say the apple don't fall far from the tree. Right. And so right. it was pretty much a downtrodden, gloomy uh, future for me. Let everybody tell it. And so needless to say, um, one day one of my friends committed a robbery and you know, my mother got scared that perhaps I would do something stupid like that. And so she came to me and asked me to find something to do with my life. And I decided I'd go to college and every college I applied to said, no, thank you, because I made a 12 on the ACT. And, you know, and the 12 is pretty low, probably as low as you can go. And, um, you know, I just kept applying, kept kept going, kept applying until finally I got a a, a letter that said I was denied. But if I wanted to, I could appeal that denial. And so um, I did appeal the denial and I talked about how I came up and all the different kind of things I had been through and that kind of stuff. And they admitted me and I went on and I got a bachelor's and decided I'd try to do a master's and same kind of denials kept happening. And uh, eventually I got in and finished that program. And then I uh, tried to do a doctorate and I got the same denials until eventually I got in and um, and finish that program so you know I, I am an apple far from the tree if ever there was one you know 
Right. Absolutely, man. You overcame your circumstances and trials and tribulations become the young man that you are today, man. So pretty dope. So before we get to your next question, how is your relationship between you and your mother today? Oh, wonderful. You know, she did everything she could. You know, she she came up. Uh, she was born in the 50s. And so you had segregation and, you know, civil rights struggle and all those kind of things. And as a kid, you know, I had the um, unfortunate circumstance of not understanding the struggles and different kind of things that a young, uh, beautiful uh, black woman would go through. You know, everybody trying to hit on her and got bad intentions for her and, you know, school systems not necessarily looking out for, for young people back in those days. Uh, you know, um, problems with the police and government and you name it. Right. And so right. Um, as as I got older and I went to college and I started learning some things, you know, it, it became clear to me that, you know, a, a lot of what she had gone through and what she had dealt with was happenstance of being a, a, a poor black woman, you know. Um, and so everything that she had given me was her best. Right. You know, she would walk. My mother would walk eight miles, eight miles to and from work to cook dinner for $15 a day. Damn. Eight miles to work, cook dinner, and walk eight miles back for $15. She cleaned dishes, washed dishes in the school system in Knoxville, Tennessee uh, from 1981 to this day, brother. To this day, she, she's still doing it more than 40 about 43 years uh, she'd been uh, working in, in the kitchen of the school system, you know? So, right. um, you know, it, it took some time as a young man. I didn't quite understand it, but you know, once I came of age, I, 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 uh, I was able to look back and reflect and it was clear that, you know, my, my mother was, my mother was a hell of a mother, man. You know, she, sometimes she'd wake up and, and, and cook some bologna and some rice and a piece of toast and, That'd be the best breakfast you ever had, you know, uh, Right. <laughs> uh, you know, different little things, you know, every now and again, she'd make a, a ugly duckling cake or something. And, you know, and uh, for the life of us, we 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 knew we had it bad, but we didn't really know how bad, you know what I'm saying? Because of the little things that she was able to pull off, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, Tupac said everything's given, you know, mama made a miracle every Thanksgiving, you know what I mean? Uh, right. So she, you know, she she did what she she did what she did, man. I, I love her to this day. Can't see life without her, and uh, you know, I'm 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 glad she was the vessel through which I, I came into this world. She definitely had the will to survive, man. Take care, of you guys, man. Shout out to all the strong black women, strong mothers out there, man. Especially the single ones, man. It's not easy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So your next topic is what are the four D's of accomplished goals and how are inseparable from accomplishing goals? Oh, man. Thank you for that. You know, I wrote my book, right? Uh, Finding Myself, A Journey from the Projects to the PhD. You know, it, it was a it was a real uh, test of tenacity and courage and faith and all that kind of stuff, going to college, just going to college, right? You know, uh, getting admitted and getting into the programs and making my way through. 
Um, and one of the things that I came to learn as a first generation young black male, uh, you know, poor from the projects, right? And didn't really know the college game and didn't really know a lot about, you know, navigating the college experience. And I didn't have anybody I could call home and ask any, any of those questions, right? Some of my, right. uh, you know, all of my aunts and uncles and that kind of thing had, you know, they graduated high school and that's about it, right? So uh, I learned, quite frankly, that the most important thing in accomplishing the goal of graduating was desire. I had to have some desire. And it wasn't enough to want something or to have a desire to accomplish that goal. I had to have a why. You know, a lot of people want things, right? Uh, you know, you, you want a nice house, you want a nice car, you you, you want some money, you want a love uh, of your life, you want kids, you want, you know, um, any number of different kind of things, be they financial, spiritual, emotional, physical, you name it. Uh, but if you don't have a why, it's hard to say that you've got that true desire. And my why was all about one day I wanted to be a parent. I wanted to make sure that my family had better than I had, that they were able to go to some of those places that I had to, you know, bus tables and, and, and wash dishes and uh, mop the floors and clean the bathrooms. You know, when outcasts say every job they got was cruel and demeaning, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> and he was sick, he was sick of taking trash out and toilet bowl cleaning. Well, that you know that that's how I felt, and I wanted I wanted more out of life. There had to be something better out there, and I wanted it for myself and my family. Which you know, I didn't know that I would have a family, but I hoped for it. Right, you know, I I had a desire. So that that's the first day. You know, you got to have a desire, and desire means more than just wanting it. You got to have a why. Why do you want it? Why is it important to you? Why does it mean so much to you? Uh, this next D, I like to think, is uh, uh, determination. If you're not determined, you know, you can have all the desire you want, but uh, determination, you know, is, is inseparable from accomplishing goals, right? Uh, and when I say determination, I go back to 1988 when I started school at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, right? And I would see some of my friends, you know, people that came from Knoxville or Memphis or Nashville, you know, black, white, uh, Hispanic, Native American, you name it. And if it was a beautiful day, 75 degrees, sunny outside, what have you, you know, some of those some of those uh, students would go to the gym and shoot basketball or be outside pitching a Frisbee or or something. And don't get me wrong, if you were ahead of the curve and you know you on top of your game, you can you can do that, right? You got some you got some leverage. You can you can you can burn a little time. But if you struggling, if you living on struggle street, right? If you carrying 17, 18 credits and you got calculus and and chemistry and some of these other different kind of courses, you know, um yeah, you need to go to class. And when it's cold outside and raining and, you know, in the Tennessee Valley, sometimes down in that mountainous uh, uh, valley, you know, we might get a little rain. And when we get the rain in, in October, November, uh, December, January, February, it's cold rain. So not only is it 30 degrees outside, but it's raining, you know what I'm saying? And, yep. and you don't want to go to class. So I realized 
quite quickly that some people don't want to go to class when it's cold and, and, and raining. And some people don't want to go to class when it's pretty outside, beautiful, 85, 90 degrees. So they just don't want to go to class. And hence, they did not have the determination. Anything that was put in front of them, whether it was weather or a pledge in a fraternity or sorority or, you know, a job where they could make a few dollars or something like that. Right. You know, a lot yeah. of that was sufficient for derailing them from their goals and keeping them, you know, from, 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 uh, completing their goals. Right. Uh, the next day, you know, you gotta be disciplined, right? You got you gotta be disciplined. You gotta have that, um, that stick to itness in such a way that if, uh, you know, you got uh, an exam coming up and, and, you know, I'm using this college experience because that's, that's where I grew and learned the most, but it's the same for, getting a job you know it's the same thing for any goal that you're trying to accomplish you got to be willing to you know if you play the football team or, or basketball team and you're an athlete you know you got to have the discipline to go to practice right you got to you got to have the discipline to to study the craft and study the rules and know the rules and understand the can do's and whatnot so whatever it is that you're trying to do you have to remain disciplined and focused on your quest for accomplishing the goal and if you don't have that discipline, right? You know, somebody say, hey, man, we can't go to Freaknik. <laughs> <laughs> and that happened a lot, you know, in Southern schools. I don't know where you are in the country, but, you know, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, you know, we was just an hour, hour and a half south, I mean, north, excuse me, hour and a half north of Atlanta. And, you know, Freaknik or college night at Six Flags come and you got a paper to write or you got a test tomorrow or what have you, but your frat brother saying, let's roll. If you ain't disciplined, you know what I'm saying? If you ain't disciplined, you're going to roll out and, and take your chances with those requirements and, and objectives that you got to satisfy to meet your goal. You got to remain disciplined, right? And then uh, the last D, dedication. You got to be dedicated. And, and, you know, there might be some degree of overlap in these four Ds, but they're not all the same, I promise you. You have to be dedicated. And when I say dedicated, I mean, ain't nothing coming before the accomplishment of the goal, right? You know, when I go back to my PhD, which was quietly as kept, brother, it was the easiest thing I ever done. Okay. College was easy. College was easy for me. You know what the problem was? What's the problem? Getting in. Mm. The problem was getting in. You know, everywhere I turned, I, I couldn't get uh, admitted for one reason or another, right? You know, your test score is too low. Your GPA in high school ain't right. You know, whatever. Um, not from the right kind of background or whatnot. But when I got in, I did very well. And I, I, I pretty much breezed through all those classes, man. I'm, I, I never failed the class. Never. You know? And I got pretty much um, the best of every class I ever had. Uh, except for maybe one math class, you know, as a sophomore, I took this math class and it, and it got the best. I made a D. I didn't fail it and I had to take it over. But the second time I took it again, I made like an A minus or B plus or something in it. But, you know, college was easy. Uh, the master's was easy. The Ph.D. was easy. The hard part was getting in. And once I got in, I had tried for seven years. It took me seven years. I applied to 
I want to say about seven different schools. Uh, you know, some of them denied me outright. Some of them interviewed me and whatnot. And, um, you know, when I finally got in, I was dedicated to getting it done. And when I say dedicated, brother, I went to the University of Nebraska in Lincoln and did my Ph.D. I, I, I earned it in 2005. I started in 2001 uh, as a non-admitted student. I was conditional. I mean, not 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 conditional. I was non. I wasn't in the program, but I was taking classes, you know. Right. So I didn't get into the program until 2002 after I had, you know, uh, interviewed and passed four classes and did everything I could do without being in the program. And when I say dedicated, it would be a Nebraska blizzard of I-80, up and down I-80, tornadoes, you name it. And I would go to class on the off chance that class was not canceled. I had to do that. You might ask why. It's because I had to do it. I, I could not be the young black man that begged and pleaded to be admitted into this program and don't come to class. You know, uh, you know, uh, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't get that brand. I couldn't get that reputation. So we didn't have text messages and, you know, cell phones. And, you know what I mean? We we, and we didn't have all the stuff. We weren't taking class online. You know, you in California and your school is in Detroit, Michigan or something. You know, we weren't doing it that way. We had to drive to the classroom building, go to the classroom and sit your tail in a seat and, and, and take those classes. And so it, even if it was tornadic weather or a blizzard or pouring down rain or whatever, bad winds, you name it, I had to go to class. And so when I say dedication, I'm talking about I'm a big college football fan and pro football fan. Uh, go Cowboys. We them boys. Um, you know, I gave up football. Right now, don't get me wrong. You know, Michigan, Ohio State, I watch it. Tennessee, yep. Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia. I watch it. Uh, you know, there were four or five games here or there that that you would uh would not miss but by and large a person like me i could sit in front of my uh tv on a saturday afternoon in the fall or i'm doing march madness in basketball or the playoffs uh for the nba or something like that man listen i could sit in front of my tv watching sports uh programs all day all night all week and I had to cut all of those different kind of things out, right? You know, I like to play Texas Hold'em. Um, I had to right. cut that out. You know, I played racquetball. I had to cut that out. I was on softball teams and different kind of things in the community. Uh, I cut that out. I had to be dedicated to the task of accomplishing the goal, so much so that nothing, you know, nothing came before uh, getting that degree. Nothing, nothing took me off my road and off my journey to completing those degrees, you know, dedication, the, the completion of the goal above all else. Now I say all that, you know, my wife is in the other room and she can't hear me. You know, she made me wash dishes, right? I had to, of course. I had, I had to wash some dishes. I had to cut the grass, you know, take the trash out. You know, I didn't get to skirt any of my fatherly and husband duties and, and things of that nature, but all those elective type things that I really, enjoy doing um and not that i don't enjoy being a family man and being married but you get my point um yep. all those things that i really love to do that i would do you know in, in in preference of all other kind of things yeah i had to cut those out and dedicate my time 
to accomplishing the goals. So you, you got to be desirous, right? You got to have the desire and that desire got to include a why. You got to be uh, determined, right? Uh, you're going to go to class, whether it's rain, sleet, snow, whatever, sunshine, pretty. You got to be dedicated and you got to be disciplined. You know, you, you got to have the those four Ds. And without those four Ds, you're going to seldom, seldomly accomplish anything. Exactly. Because a lot of things can distract you from completing your task. So they will distract you, you know. Absolutely. So before we get to the next question, to answer your question that you asked me earlier, I'm from New Jersey. So. OK, OK. What part of New Jersey? South. I'm like 10, 15 minutes from Philadelphia. Oh, wow. OK, that's cool. Yes, sir. That's cool. I've been to Patterson in Newark. And uh, I've been on uh, the Rutgers campus a time or two. Yeah, I've been okay. I've been up that way three or four times in my life. Nice. When was the last time you were up here, though? Oh, 94, 95. It's been a minute. Been 20, 30 years. I almost uh, had a job up there, man. I, uh, you know, one of my one of my bosses took a job up that way, and and he was interested in in bringing me. Uh, alone but you know my wife didn't want to go that far you know so yeah i got you well maybe you'll come up here sometime soon in the future man you never know what god has planned for you yeah man. you don't do you yeah that's right so your next topic is what role does failure and disappointment play in accomplish their goals oh man you know <laughs> It's funny. I was talking to my uh, my son just the other day. He's trying out for the golf team. And, um, you know, so we've been having them man the boy come to, you know, come to the real world type of conversations that I never got. Right. And, you know, like right. I said, trying to be desiring to be uh, a, a good parent and, and, you know, have a, a better life for my kids than what I had. Right. And um and so he he said to me, he he didn't, you know, he didn't do some things because he didn't want to fail. You know, he didn't try basketball or football or uh, other uh, academic programs. Right. Because he didn't want to he didn't want to do poorly in it. And I said, well, um, failure help you succeed. Right. I mean, most any person you can think of that is successful has had some degree a failure. Failure helps you learn lessons of what to do, what not to do. Failure helps build that resiliency and that tenacity that you need to be successful, right? Failure gives you permission to try and try and try again, right? And, and I asked him, I said, so his name is Alex. I said, Alex, when you, uh, when you started riding a bike, you remember how I used to run behind you and hold a little handlebar, I mean, not the, uh, the seat, so that you, uh, you know, so you could get your speed and balance up and what have you. And I said, as soon as I let you go, what happened? He said, I fall. I said, okay, you fall, you scrape up your arm, you might cry a little bit. Did you quit or did you get back on it? He said, I got back on it. I said, that's failure, teaching you a lesson, right? You, you tried, it didn't work out. You fell to the ground, you got back on it and you kept going. And after you had failed so many times, eventually you got good and you trying to ride with no hands. 
you trying to pop you know what i mean you trying to pop wheelies and <laughs> and jump <laughs> and jump the curve and ride from the handlebars and do all these bmx tricks you want to go to the skate park and do them ramps right that's what failure gets you you know if you re-engage and you master that art of failing and re-engaging until you can you know see your way through or get through to what it is you're trying to accomplish you know failure can be tremendously helpful in accomplishing accomplishing goals it can be motivational even you know um yeah i, I was refusing to let anybody turn me turn me down or turn me around on my goal of getting my phd right even though i had applied to all those places i probably could say the same thing about uh my bachelor's degree even though i had applied to all those places and they all told me no you know you, you could say that was failure you know my friends would give me a hard time they say stuff like brian give me 15 dollars. i'll give you a rejection letter you know i mean they i mean they you know how it is and i don't know maybe you don't know but growing up in the hood you know people can be a little um you know in your face and cutthroat jugging at you and stuff like that right and so you know when they find out you're trying to go to college and the colleges are telling you no you can't come you ain't gonna graduate and stuff like that you know they they, they tease you a little bit and i'll never forget one friend said wait a minute man you think you're going to college you a dishwasher at shoney's your mama a dishwasher your daddy in prison what is it that make you think you going to college oh man they had a good laugh behind that you hear me i'm telling you a good but sure enough i went you know and the failure uh only fueled my motivation right uh, you know it didn't it did not deter me from keep applying and and you know stay on my quest to find somewhere where i could go you know absolutely man sometimes you gotta prove that the dial is wrong you gotta prove it wrong you know what you can do you know you have the ability you just gotta go and do it that's right that's exactly right and, and that's what i tell my kids like they're 11 and 8 but i tell them like you can do anything in this world no matter what people tell you man you just gotta put the work in yes but you can do it that's right that's exactly right you yeah i always said if you willing to put the work in you can accomplish anything you can do anything and you know i told you about my 12 on the act and you know working in colleges and universities the way i do you know yeah, I've, yeah. I've often had to say to the university administration yeah this person got a 17 or this person got an 18 or you know their, their act score is low but they can graduate you know if you if we admit them and they do the work you know they go through all the processes and do everything they're supposed to do they can graduate and i tell you a lot of those uh students and when i was in ohio uh 78 of those kids graduated when i was in tennessee 100 graduated you know uh it, it 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 all depends on whether or not they're willing to do the work and if they got those four d's man and and i might add grit and grind in there too you know absolutely like i always say you can't judge a book by its cover so okay so your next topic is how does one find their path or know that they are on the right path and can you change paths without compromising your goals oh absolutely i, I kind of take that in in reverse you can absolutely positively change paths without uh, uh compromising your goals right uh, when I first thought about going to college in 1988, 
I thought I was going to be a certified public accountant. Okay. I thought I was going to be a certified public accountant. I had romanticized the CPA title, you know, the letters behind my name and saw some of the, the guys working at different banks and stuff with the uh, nice shirt and tie and suspenders and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it looked good to me. And so I thought I was going to be a CPA. And then I get in, in college and I had this economics, uh, macroeconomics 101 with a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Bruce Hutchinson. He was a retired colonel in the Army teaching uh, economics at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. And I took the first test in his class and I made a 32 F plus on his curve. A 34 was a D minus. And so looking at that 32 F plus, I did the math and I said, uh, wow, I could make straight A's from here on out and I still won't pass his class. So I got right, I got right up in the middle of his lecture and I went to the registrar's office and I dropped that class, right? Right. And so the lady at the registrar office said, well, you got to major in something. What are you going to major in? And I said, oh, no, I always thought I was going to be a CPA. And she said, well, let me ask you this question. What would you like to learn just for the sake of learning? And I thought about that. And growing up in the projects, you know, we had something called the bum rush. And the bum rush was when the police would just jump out and round up any black male that fit the description, anybody they could grab. Right. And they take you to the uh, to the house and, you know, try to figure out who you are and what charge you might be facing or what crime you might have committed or whatever. And uh, and and they were real unapologetic about it. Right. They weren't trying to get dead because they were looking for Dez. They're going to get Dez, Brian, Maurice, and, and Joe, and anybody else they can find and take everybody to the house until they can sort it out. And so I said, well, growing up the way I did, why I did, I'd like to know more about my rights. What can the police do or not do? And, you know, how I can uh, protect myself or educate myself on, you know, how to respond or what to say, what not to say, that kind of thing. And the lady said, well, we got a criminal justice program. And so I and we looked at the description. I said, yeah, that sounds real good. So I went into criminal justice and got my bachelor's degree. And the point is, I changed my major, but I didn't compromise the goal. The goal was always get a college degree. Right. I changed what I got that degree in. But I accomplished the goal. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, I, I went on and got a bachelor's of science in 1993. And in terms of finding your path, you know, that's going to be a, a very um, intrinsic question for every human being. It's going to be something different from from Brian to Des to Joe to Maurice and everybody in between. Right. And you got to figure out what's important to you. You know, what is it that you want to do? And you can't do it for somebody else. You're right. You can't go to the to, to the army because, you know, your dad went to the army. Right. Now, you can go to the Army if, if your dad went to the Army and you want to go to the Army, you actually want to serve, that's fine. But just going because that's what somebody else wants you to do, yeah, that's you, you, you could potentially be miserable. And then again, you could find that, you know, it, it worked out. That's where you were supposed to be. So, you know, finding your path, you know, um, very intrinsic journey. You know, it's going to be different from one person to the next. And for me, it was all about, you know, what's the first step toward better? What can I do 
to better my situation, to better my life. And I decided it was learn, educate myself, learn a skill, learn a trade, learn a craft, learn about learning, you know, get something that's going to make me economically viable, right, to where I can get a, a good job and not one of them cruel and demeaning jobs, right? I can be marketable. I can be, you know, bonafide in something, you know. Um, and for some people, it, it might be um, very different. Maybe they, they want to be uh, an athlete or in the military or uh, a doctor or a dentist or something, which, again, would require some degree of education. But uh, you got to look deep down in your soul and say, where is it I want to go? And why do I want to go there? And what is the first step toward getting there? And sometimes it'll be real clear, like it was for me. Sometimes it, it won't be real clear. And, you know, you'll make a few uh, bad moves or whatever. And then, you know, you'll learn something and pick something up and say, oh, man, I should have started right here. I should have been doing this from 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 the giddy up, you know. Um, you know, that's that's all I got to say about, you know, finding your path, man, because it's it's going to be it's going to be very different from one person to the next. What's important to you? Why do you want it? Uh, what you going to do with it? Right. And what's the first step toward getting it? Exactly. I feel sorry for people who are not in control of their own destiny and trying to please other people instead of doing things for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's hard. You know, sometimes you got a mother or a father or a parent or somebody they want you to be a doctor and and, you know, they, they don't value your talent or they think you can't make any money, you know, playing video games or doing art or singing. Right. You <laughs> That kind of stuff. But uh, it, it's hard. Right. But if, if it's your passion, if, if it's your purpose, your calling in life is where you think you need to go or where you need to be. You know, sometimes you just got to prove them wrong. You know, uh, you, you up north. So I know you heard of Al B. Shore. Right. Yeah. Uh, Al, Al was a, a quarterback, if I understand it correctly, and, and a pretty good one, right? And yeah. um, you know, that's how he got the name. I'll be sure. You know, if he are you gonna play football and follow the path and go to the NFL and make a lot of money and this, that, and the other, or are you gonna go out here singing naturally mine and off on your own and some of these other kind of things or whatever it was he sung? And um they said, I'll be sure, be sure about it. And that's he he made his title of his uh, his name, his stage name, I'll be sure. And he went on and won all those Grammys and made that music and and it worked out for him. But if he'd have been listening to other people, shoot, ain't no telling. He probably had broke knee caps by now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, man. Football is a dangerous sport, man. <laughs> Snoop Dogg, um, you know, since we're talking music, Snoop Dogg was a, a heck of an athlete, right? And, yep. and he went into the music game, you know, um, and doing quite well. Now he's acting and speaking and engaging uh, college students and uh, civic organizations and uh, Martha Stewart and commercials. I mean, he, he all over the, you know, he all over the world. Right. Um, or he could have played football and he chose he chose rapping. And that was his passion. That's where he wanted to be. And uh, Dr. Dre, billionaire. Mm -hmm. billionaire his mother tried to get him to leave music alone and stop that foolishness wasting his time and this that and the other and and and, and look where it turned out you know he got all kind of stuff to his credit now 
Absolutely. Yeah. When somebody's on a certain path, don't try to steer them somewhere else. Just support them. <laughs> yeah, I believe embracing and supporting and figuring out what you can do to help them is very important. I really do. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, it's we as society operate from a a, a deficit educational and uh, support frame of mind, right? You know, a lot of times we go. Uh, what somebody cannot do. I see that quite a bit, you know, in colleges, you know, somebody won't be a doctor. Well, you, you can't be a doctor. You know, you got to take chemistry and, and calculus and biology and all this stuff. You want to be a nurse, can't be a nurse. You, you know, nursing is real hard. You know, you got to get straight A's and do this, that, and the other. Uh, as opposed to, wouldn't we be better off saying, okay, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a nurse, you want to be a lawyer, you want to do some of these things. This is what you must understand about that profession. These are the things you are going to have to do. These are the competencies you're going to have to master to, to get into that profession. Right. And then let these young people decide that, yeah, I'm willing to go down this road and do this and put my time in and get it done. Or I'm not. Right. You know, if, right. And if they are willing to do it, then let them do it. Help them do it. Help them as opposed to telling them what they cannot do. You know, uh, my denial and rejection letters all told me I couldn't graduate and it would be unfair to me, unfair to me, that's the key word, to admit me knowing I would never graduate. Yep. Ain't that something? Now, here I sit with a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD all these years later. Right, like I proved you wrong, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and not only that, think of think of all the young people across the country who who, who can't get a chance, but could do it. Yep. You only need one chance, one yes. That's all it takes, man. That's all I needed was one yes. And I got a, 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 a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I came back with a maybe. And, and, man, I ran a bossing on them folks with that maybe. You hear me? Right. He's like, I'm a boss up on you real quick. <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, the door wasn't all the way open. The window wasn't all the way open, but it was just wide enough for me to get through it. And, that's, that's you know, and I did the rest from there, man. Yeah, yeah. man. I'm very proud of you, man, for real. Though. Well, thank you, man. I, and I didn't do it by myself. You know, my my mom and my sisters and my cousins, you know, they they sent me um, money and 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 different kind of things to help me eat right you know um you know they did a lot for me quite a bit you know they kept me motivated they called me from time to time and you know um and what they really did for me they kept me out of the mischief right you know sometimes it might be some drama or something going on back home and you know they didn't tell me and i'd be like why did you tell me why didn't you tell me this happened or that happened because you've been on got on the bus or something and tried to come up here to do this that and the other and you know you we need you to finish college <laughs> you know you know so yeah they helped me a lot of people helped the community helped you know some of my roommates gave me clothes to wear uh to different functions and stuff right uh gave me rides home uh back up to knoxville over to memphis for the holidays where i could see other people and and how they lived and what they did or didn't do around you know thanksgiving christmas and stuff like that right um, you know, teaching me little lessons about first impressions and lasting impressions and, you know, desire and all that kind of stuff. And what, 
and what it really meant to uh, uh, to be a young black man on a college campus, man. You know, I, I think the community, the entire university community helped. I had a bursar that never dropped my schedule, even when my money was late, when my money was funny. You know, uh, she wouldn't drop my schedule, you know, and sometime it might be September or October or something before the money came in. But I got to stay in class. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had a, a, a dean of students who would loan me $25 whenever I needed, you know, and I take that $25 sometime, man, I might play poker with it or buy food. It, it just depends on what was going on. But whenever I needed to go get $25, I could do it. You know what I'm saying? And it, yeah. it, it was, you know, big help for me. The community helped me, man. I'm, I'm standing on the community shoulders, no doubt about it. Shout out to your support system, man. Mm -hmm. Shout out to everybody. Yep. yep. So your next topic is, what do you want people to take away from your book? Oh, man. Wow. Um, I, I tell young people you know i'm in the college business i'm a vice president for diversity at the university of alabama in huntsville i've been in this space since 1993 beginning as a graduate assistant and now uh as a vp you know and i tell students and high schoolers and young folk that they can do anything they can do anything if they're willing to work you know if they got those four d's a little grit and grind you know what i mean grit being growth through uh resilience integrity and tenacity right being resilient having integrity being tenacious and then grind is just you know doing the work right getting in there every day and, and doing a little bit to move you closer to your goals then you can do anything i believe that wholeheartedly i, I really do you know i've seen you know i got a cousin and she made like a 15 on the act right and had a baby single parent Raising a child, 15 on ACT. She got a bachelor's, master's, and a PhD. And she would walk to school and walk home in the rain, in the cold, and in the, in the scorching hot sun and, you know, the hailstorms and that kind of thing. You can do anything you put your mind to if you got discipline, determination, dedication, and uh, desire. If you got those four Ds, you can do anything. I want... Uh, young people or aspirants of all ages to take that away from the book. I want them to understand that there is a significant difference in making a first impression. You know, first impression, people see you, uh, they 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 think about uh, who you are, they come up with some kind of idea. You were talking about judging the book by its cover and that kind of thing, right? Uh, and sometimes that's a good impression, sometimes it's a bad impression. But neither of those come remotely close to what I call a lasting impression, right? A lasting impression is the thing that people remember you for. I got my graduate assistantship in 1993 in part because one day it was raining cats and dogs and I got out the car and pushed a young lady um, to safety. Her car had broke down in the middle of the street at, in Chattanooga, Tennessee on third street and all these cars driving right past her and Des, i'm telling you i was suited and booted i'm a member of kappa alpha Psi fraternity incorporated lambda over the chapter south central province and uh i was suited and booted dressed to the nines in my beautiful 
uh pearl white mazda rx7 and i'm telling you it was it was a slick ride back in those days you know and um i saw this sister man and i, I just could not leave her and so i get out i push her uh to safety i give her a ride to the student union and i go on about my business i'm not thinking anything else about it you know lightweight you know asking myself why did i do it you know i didn't have to do that you know but i did it because it's who i am and when I went to interview for the graduate assistantship, you know, I didn't know for sure how, how I had done. I thought I had done a pretty good job, but you never know. And when I got the job, uh, a lady by the name of Freddie Williams was the secretary. And she said to me, Brian, I don't know you from Adam. But when the boss asked me what I thought about you, I told her that I once saw you push a young lady out of the pouring rain to safety in your suit and tie. And I thought anybody who could do that or would do that was all right and could do a good job in this program. And so I recommended that she hire you. Now, it was the boss's decision. And, you know, I, um, I just know that doing that selfless act that day left a lasting impression in somebody's mind that they remember when it came time for something that I wanted, something I was aspiring to, to accomplish the graduate assistantship, it made a difference. Right. And, and so some of my older fraternity brothers would tell me stuff like that, you know, um, walking down the street, I'm cussing like a four, uh, uh, like a sailor, all these four letter words and things of that nature. And one of my frat brothers uh, called me to the side and he said, hey, man, I'm disappointed in you. You out here using these four letter words and you don't know who might see you or hear you. And when you get ready to interview for a job or go for a loan or something like that, you're, the decision had already been made because they saw you out here acting the fool. You know, so yeah. I want young people to, to understand that they got to protect their brand. You know, you see a lot of folks, uh, you know, they get on Facebook and uh twitter and myspace and chat this chat that and moon rock and this that and the other and you know and they put anything out there and you know when some of these entities are, are doing background checks and they're thinking about hiring you that could matter it could matter a lot right you know i want people to read that book and, and understand that it's all related it's all related you know i was telling my son just the other day he can't get a late start in life, right? He, he he asked me about, you know, maybe being being a veterinarian and, and getting started, you know, when he's 20, 21 or whatever, when he's older, this, that, and the other. And I said, well, Alex, there are things you got to learn right now, right? You can't wait till you're 21 to start learning this stuff, right? You, you know, you got to learn some biology, some anatomy, some bones, and you know what I mean? Some nerves and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, whatever is appropriate for your age level, you got to you got to learn that stuff and build upon it. When you get 21, you start talking about being a veterinarian. You're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning. You can do it, but it's going to be much harder for you to try to, you know, recoup that time and go back and learn all that stuff you should have learned in seventh grade, eighth grade. But you weren't taking it serious. And that's you know, that's the burden of youth. Right. You know, you get to this place where later on in life you need things that you didn't really value or didn't really, you know, understand how much you needed it earlier in life. You know, you building a foundation, you know. So 
Um, I, I think it's a great book. I think it's inspirational, inspiring. I think it's appropriate for um, people who are trying to accomplish goals of all ages, all backgrounds and that kind of thing. And I would recommend it um, to anybody, anybody. I mean, you know, a lot of us come through our own little private hells just to be where we are. You know, people really don't know um, what you go through. Right. So it was somewhat therapeutic for me to share some of those things, you know. Absolutely. So somebody can learn from the things you went through and apply it to their life. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so at this point in my pod, I always turn it over to my guests and you can ask me any question that you want. Uh, how long have you been podding? Uh, what's your followership like? How did you get started? You know, the Dez experience, man. So tell me, tell me all about it, brother. Oh man, so this is like the top question. <laughs> so at first it just started out as a hobby because I always listen to a variety of different podcasts, whether I had to do with finance, uh, sports, business, marketing, all that stuff. Things that I was interested in, I listened to. So one day I decided to do like an episode at the beginning of my journey with my friends just to see, get the vibe, see if I like it or not. And so I did. So the more and more I did it, the more and more I started falling in love with it. And I started taking it to another level by inviting people on. Because I like to get to know people, know their back stories, the trial and tribulations, where they came from to how they got to where they're at now and what they want to do beyond that and what advice they had for young people. So I like to soak up as much information as possible on things I may know and apply to my daily life, man. I just... I find it interesting to get to know the human being. Yeah. That's one of the things I like. Yeah. So no, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So uh what you do in New Jersey? What what's your uh field of endeavor, your work? So right now I work in medical billing in the collections agency. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I do that. Um also, I do, I'm a content creator for like YouTube. I have my YouTube channel. I've been running this podcast thing right here for almost three years now. This is actually my 200th episode as we're talking. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Glad I can be a part of it. Absolutely, man. Um, on top of that, most importantly, uh, taking care and raising my two boys, man. That's my world right there, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got two. I got a 26 and a 14. And uh, I get it, man. And, you know, I, I tell them all the time. I said, listen, um, you got one goal in life, as far as I'm concerned. And that is to stay out of prison. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. And do not go to prison. They can build all the prison, uh, prisons they want to. You do everything you can to make sure they stay empty. That's that that's what I want for you, you know. Uh, you know, you're young, you're handsome, you're smart, you can do a lot in this world. Same thing my mother told me back in 1988. And you know, there's absolutely no reason to, you know, be sitting in a in, in a cage and when you could be sitting in an office or a cubicle or you know, running your own business or doing something, you know, positive with your life, spending time with your family, raising your family. And the like, and so you know, we have those talks from time to time, and I think they go over pretty well. But yeah, them boys, man, yeah, man, them boys are something else, aren't they? 
<laughs> Absolutely, man. One wants to play soccer, the other one wants to do boxing. So <laughs> Yeah, that's sweet science, huh? Hey, listen, I'm I'm with the boxing guy. Yeah, I wanted the box, but like I said, I, I ain't got no stomach muscles, and so uh they <laughs> they wouldn't give me a card. And um, but you know, I could hit, I could jab and hook and uppercut and all that kind of stuff, man. I had some combinations and I used to run those um, you know, when you when you do golden gloves. They would make you run like three, four miles every day, you know. And um, I had a coach named Steve Ritz back in Knoxville, and he would say, uh, you know, this guy right here, he can't even – we can't give him a car. We can't let him box, and he running every day. If I had y'all doing what he doing, right, this, this guy who can't have it is doing this work, and some of y'all – who can have it y'all walking you know <laughs> y'all giving up on it or whatnot you know but yeah i like boxing i always did i tried to get my uh my two boys into it but they uh yeah they 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 didn't like it right they're like come on dad we don't want to do this <laughs> the one is one is real good in basketball that's his thing uh although i felt like he could do track and football and i wish he had stayed with it but um you know uh, but he didn't. He's 26 years old now, and he does a lot of training with young athletes and uh, skill development and that kind of thing now. And then the 14-year-old, um, he's tried soccer, basketball, track, and he was real good in track. Man, went to the Junior Olympics at eight, nine years old. Um, won, uh, his team won the 4 by 400 relay, and um, and then he just didn't want to run anymore. So uh, I don't know what that's about, but you know, I didn't never want to push anything on anybody or make them do things. And I, I get conflicted about that, you know, being a being a young black man. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of my friends had dads in the house. Some of them did anyway. And their dad would make them do this and make them do that. And, you know, and they came out pretty, pretty good in the end for for uh, that father making them. But then some people were made to do stuff and they hated it and, you know, uh, had real bad experiences and stuff. So I, I was never quite sure if I was pushing hard enough or not at all or, you know, just where to land in that regard. But uh, my 14-year-old is playing golf now, and he's doing pretty well. Nice. So I'm guessing he's looked up to Tiger Woods, I'm guessing. Oh, man, he, he looked up to everybody, man. He, you know, he he can hit that ball when he's focused and concentrate, man. He, yeah, it, it'd be sweet too, man. He hit that ball, whoop. And it's gone, and I'm I'm a proud papa out there. They want we lived in in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, a city called Mansfield for a little while, and he played on the team at his middle school, and they won the district. And uh, he had a couple of birdies and uh, sank the winning putt. You know, they won by a stroke. They shot 33 on on a uh, on the front ninth uh, par 36. They shot a 33 and won by a single stroke. And it was all right, man. It was it was a good experience. Nice. Yep. Well, you're doing great job as a father, man. I must say. Well, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. Sometimes it, it it don't always seem that way, but I know I'm giving them my best. And you know, I don't I, I don't try to celebrate myself too much. I just I just keep doing. You know, keep doing. Yeah, man, I'm the same way, man. I just try my best as well, man. <laughs> and thank you for that compliment. I gotta, I gotta start accepting compliments, uh, you know, a little bit. 
Yeah, no problem, man. I'm I'm like that sometimes too. I'm like I'll say thank you, like I appreciate it, and try to move on. But I'll, I'll sit back and think, like, well, it was a nice gesture, so I just say thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Just say thank you and let that be that. That's it. Uh-huh. So before we end this, um, is there any last message you like to leave with the listeners? Do you have anything new coming up on the horizon? Yeah. And would you like to share your um, social media handles as well? Yeah, I, I'm, um, you know, I don't do too much on social media. I don't do a lot of posting. I'm on Facebook, of course. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Um, but I do have a website for my book, uh, Finding Myself, A Journey from the Projects to the PhD. And that website is findingmyself.org. F-I-N-D-I-N-G-M-Y-S-E-L-F dot org. And when you go to that website, you can see a lot about me, some of the um, speeches I've done and, you know, different kind of things, uh, presentations, awards, um, you know, ways that I have engaged in this work, helping people and particularly young people uh, accomplish their educational, personal and professional goals. Right. Um, and then you can also, if you're so inclined, um, pick up a copy of the book, right? The book is $24.99 plus shipping, and we ship anywhere in the continental uh, United States. And um, I don't imagine there's a listener in Hawaii or uh, Alaska, but we ship it there, too, if somebody was interested in it. Nice. Now, do you plan on writing another book in the future or you good for right now? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I, I stopped uh, the book uh, from maybe 2006, you know, some uh, 16, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. Uh, so I've, I've got a lot of things that have uh, transpired since then. You know, I've had a kidney transplant. I had a house fire. You know, we've been um, had to live in hotels and apartments and stuff because of the house fire. I had three nephews that uh, were killed in, um, by gun violence. Two of them were killed four months apart. And then the other one, 16 years later, was uh, shot uh, dead in a convenience store over a dispute about girlfriends, right? You know, um, oh, Lord. somebody somebody believed that uh, this lady who was uh, the, the mother to their child was still their girlfriend. And, you know, he didn't, you know, he was dating her and she was dating him or whatever. And the guy killed, killed my nephew and then killed himself. So, uh, so, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, seen a lot of joy and different kind of things. Right. My, my wife and I have been married 23 years and uh, you know, been a number of different places. So, I, I got a good mind to write another one. I just don't know uh, what that topic might be, but you know, Lord put it on my spirit and it comes to me. Yeah. I, I'll crank one out. Yeah, man. I just want to say, uh, send my condolences for your losses, man. This is thank you. Simple violence, man. It just makes no sense to me, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. We, we were a pretty broke family, you know, and here's the thing. I got two sisters and, Oh, the sister right behind me had two boys and they're both dead. And then the sister, my baby sister, she uh, had one boy and he's dead. So all my proper nephews, I mean, you know, children of my biological sisters are uh, deceased. All of them. 
to gun violence. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough indeed. I just hate hearing stories like that, man. It's like you grow up and you want to have your own children, your legacy and everything, and just to lose them is just it's just heartbreaking, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rough. It's it's rough for sure. So, you know. But what 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 can you do, man? You can't be with them all day, every day. And even if you can, you know, a uh, young man gonna wanna make his own decisions and do whatever he wants to do and not always listen, especially when they're young, you know. Right. It's hard to reach them sometimes, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, man. maybe all, you, all you can do is give them the tools, man, to try to be successful and just try to make smart decisions. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you got to invest in them early, man. Real early. Absolutely. Yeah, real early. So maybe yeah, we can I'm do it now. Sometime, man, you know. Say again, you're cutting in. I'm sorry. Oh, my apologies. I said maybe we can do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely, man. Just let me know. Yeah. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. It's been therapeutic for me. Oh, man. It's your first one, too? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it live now, or will it air at a later time, or what? Oh, no. I don't play around, brother. I'm putting this out tonight. <laughs> okay. Well, will you email me a copy of it, and I'll, I'll share it with some of my people? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Once I'm done editing and everything. You'll be the first one to get it immediately in the email. <laughs> all right. That's all right, man. I really appreciate that. No doubt. Man. I just want to say, man, once again, Dr. Samuels, thank you so much for accepting my invitation to come on the podcast. I truly appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you for it, man. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad to be your 200 uh, episode guest and, uh, you know, rich uh, conversation and brothers like us need to need to get together and do this more frequently you know um you know be there for each other learn from and with one another you know absolutely i totally agree with you on that one man so i just want to say i hope you have a good rest of your evening ahead and i want you to have a great weekend as well too man oh thank you so much i intend to you do the same no doubt man. take care brother take care you too bye-bye Bye-bye.